0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullen here from the Australia-China Business Council. Today we look at the emerging millennial generation and how their innovation and tech savviness is helping to forge startups and develop a new generation of Australia-China relationships. We're joined today by Andrea Miles, co-founder and CEO of CAMP the China-Australia Millennial Project, that's a world-first bilateral innovation and cross-cultural leadership program that connects leading talent in both Australia and China. Andrea lived in China for more than five years, has worked on social enterprise programs in regional China, headed up the Australia-China Business Council, led the business delegation of then-Prime Minister Julia Gillard's second trip to China and co-founded the Engaging China Project, a best practice China engagement program in Australian high schools. Andrea has a working proficiency in Mandarin and holds two bilingual master's degrees in Chinese business and culture. In 2014, Andrea was named one of Australia's 100 Most Influential Women by Westpac and the Australian Financial Review. In our discussion, we look at what's so striking about Chinese millennials, what takes place on a camp program, how to build long-term relationships in China, and how Chinese and Australian skill sets complement each other, particularly in the innovation sector. I hope you enjoy our discussion. With Andrea Miles from CAMP, the China-Australia Millennial Project. Thanks a lot for dropping by to ACBC today, Andrea. Thanks, James. It's a pleasure to be here. Why millennials? What's uh, your interest in millennials and uh, Chinese millennials in particular?
1: Well, I'm personally just on the cusp of uh, what we call Gen X and Gen Y. So um, when we talk about millennials, to define it first, we're looking at people who were born in the 80s and people who were born in the 90s. Mm. Um, in China, it's a specifically... Influential generation because number one the size there are four hundred and fifteen million Chinese millennials. Okay, right. And I always say that it, actually if that was a nation unto itself, it's the world's third largest nation. <laughs> right. And I'm sure on the podcast we're often talking about you know how do we break down China? It's not a monolith, and it's not it's not even five markets, it's twenty. But even just demographically, you could take a look at that third largest nation of 415 million people and break that down into educational level or, you know, regional urban divide, um, you know, uh, spend, earnings and so on and mm. so on. So um, Goldman Sachs call Chinese millennials the most influential generation on the planet. And I mm. think that's mainly to do with not only their size, but also their spending power. You know, this is a generation which is largely having kids right now, actually driving a lot of that consumer spending. Um, A lot of the luxury spending is coming from the millennial generation in China. Mm. So it's a really, really interesting snapshot of China to take a look at. These are people who have grown up post the 1978 economic reforms. Um, So their view on the world, they're much more global. If they were... A nation, and to themselves, it's also the number one most digital, okay. e- most digitally engaged nation on the planet. So, for all of these reasons combined, I feel that it's a it's a great focus, you know, particularly for my career um, to focus on. And I can't think of a better opportunity for Australians in general than to connect to this millennial generation in China.
0: So, in Australia, we have uh, the baby boomers, the Gen X generation, we do. millennials. Do Chinese people divide their generations in a similar way to what we do? It's a little
1: bit different. So, you know, baby boomers, I think, you know, is probably a generation which spans probably 20 years, I would guess. You know, Gen X is about 15 um, so, but in China, we really break it down by decade. You know, mm. in Chinese, we say the baling hole or the dueling hole. So the 80s generation or the um, 90s generation. Right. okay. Yeah. So it's really um, sort of decade by decade. And if you think about just how rapidly things change in China, yeah. um, you actually can see re- dramatically different behavioral patterns between people who have grown up, say, in the 60s versus the 70s versus the 80s versus right. the 90s. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, shortly there will be the people who were born in the 2000s and they will be entering. During their prime spending years, and millennials will go the way of Gen X. Yeah. You know, we'll sort of go into into their thirty fives, forties, fifties years. But right now, there's really a spotlight being shone, you know, on this this particular generation um, as they start to. I mean, essentially recraft the world.
0: You mentioned that Chinese millennials are essentially a digital generation. Mm. Does this uh, give them a greater proclivity to taking up digital initiatives and and new technologies? Oh,
1: God, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we talk about China, we often say that it is mobile first. Mm. So you can't just waltz into China as an Australian company um, with a really great website, but Kind of so so experience on mobile and no presence on WeChat and expect that generation, which comprises a third of the country, mm. to pay any attention to you so you know attention in China it's a very competitive space Mm. so if you want to surprise and delight those people um, Australians we have to think about like exactly what it is that we're good at that's really going to catch their Mm. attention.
0: Okay well that brings us on to CAMP the China-Australian Millennium Project. Um, What is the mission of CAMP?
1: Yeah, the mission of CAMP is essentially to connect the innovation ecosystems Mm. of China and Australia. And the way that we do that is by focusing on the millennial generation. Um, We accept people into um, one of the programs that we do. Um, They have to be between 18 and 40 years old, which is essentially that 80s, 90s um, generation now. Um, And over the course of 100 days, the cohort is 100 people strong. They build new startups in mixed teams together. And by mixed, I mean 50% of the cohort comes from China and 50% comes from Australia. It's also 50% female because that's what the world looks okay. like. <laughs> and um, and so in each team, we actually have um, essentially co-founders that are able to bring ra- radically different perspectives. So what's the China market thinking about e-commerce? What's the Australian market thinking about e-commerce? Okay. sort of different push and pull factors there that end up creating really great startups at the end of the program.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, Do people necessarily need to have a tech background?
1: No, they don't. So it's industry agnostic, I say. So um, there's nothing worse than having four highly technical people in a team when actually you need um, a CEO to drive it, you need a marketer, you need a technical person, and perhaps you might need a journalist or somebody who can communicate. Right. Yeah. So um, we are Absolutely open to anybody in any industry coming along and joining the program. Um, We have people with a technical background, but it might be, say, in research medicine. Okay. You know, so it's not just about people who can code, even though it is an innovation program.
0: So, CAMP takes place annually?
1: Yes, once a year. And
0: so, what are the distinct phases?
1: Distinct phases of camp. So in a 100-day program, we have to break it down into quite distinct phases in order to make sense of it, particularly with a group so large. So um, it's an online and offline course. Um, It takes place in a part-time and full-time sense. Mm. So the online part is part-time. You can do it from anywhere on the planet. The full-time pieces are what we start the program with and finish the program with. Okay. So the first five days, we actually get everybody together in a Chinese city that we choose that year. Last year it was Shanghai, this year it was Beijing. So the entire cohort of 100 campers come together, converge, meet each other for the first time, um, and we start to give them their challenge questions that they're going to work on for the next 100 days. Okay. After that five-day tour of Beijing... And I'll go into what exactly that entails um, in a second. After that five-day tour, people go back to their own cities and actually start collaborating online remotely together. So they've met their teammates. They're focused into a team that has an industry um, focus, for example, e-commerce or education or um, smart energy. Then at the end of the program... Their challenge is to come back together in Sydney for the final five days and they have to pitch the startup that they have designed over the course of the program right, okay. to investors. Okay. So now let me go a little bit deeper. The way that we determine these challenge questions, we actually have corporate partners that um, focus on a particular industry sector. So when the campers apply to the program, they say, right, I want to focus on education, e-commerce um, or, or smart energy um, and we have corporate partners. So Alibaba is the partner on um, the e-commerce strain. So they pose a business challenge question to the team. Mm. The team hack that problem. For 100 days, and then oh, pitch the right. solution back okay. to yeah, back to Alibaba, who are sitting in the room when they pitch in Sydney. It is a complex program, but we've tried to sort of layer a number of Venn diagrams one over the other. So it's an intersection of young people, business, and government. It's also the intersection um, of uh, innovation, entrepreneurship, and also intercultural leadership.
0: So there's also a number of side visits when in China. There is. So so what types of places do the campers visit
1: yeah so um in the past so we've gone to alibaba headquarters um, which is just so cool to go to it's like a real you know once in a lifetime thing right um but we tour the innovation ecosystem of beijing so um what that means is going into science parks like zhongguan sun um or elements of it because that science park is about 500 square kilometers Big. Okay, it is five times the size of Washington DC. Across sixteen campuses across Beijing, just the park itself. Just the park itself. Okay, that's it. So, um, it it's responsible, I think, for twenty one percent of Chinese GDP. I'll I'll double check that. But it's it's an absolutely enormous phenomenon. And so we take a look at what are the areas of this particular science park that have relevance for an Australian market. Oh, right. So when we're determining um, the areas that we focus on in China, we take a look at what's in Australia's national interest. So what are we good at? What's in China's five-year plan? What do they care about? And we overlay that with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Mm. So what are the big challenges that the world needs to collaborate on in order to resolve? Mm. So that's where we get things like... Education, you know, future of money, you know, all these sort of really interesting um, trends coming up that Australia and China are really perfect partners to collaborate.
0: Mm. Andrea, how did you go about starting Camp and having access to something like these high tech parks in Beijing? How do you get access and build relationships to these contacts in China?
1: Um, I I think the most simple answer is just having a genuine passion for it and Mm. you know it's not a labor it's a labor of love um just developing those relationships over the course of your china engagement so i've been going to china for 15 years um, since i was 23 and bought my plane ticket over to china first time i'd ever been overseas and um, since that time i've um cultivated relationships which is just a really clinical way of saying I've made friends with a lot of people right um because I genuinely care about what it is that they're doing and I'm fascinated by what that is and you know watching people's careers grow is is you know just endlessly incredible in an, an economy that's two thousand percent bigger than the Australian economy and growing at three times the rate so yeah. just watching people gallop along and so that allows you to um easily just reach out to people and say oh hey I see that you're the director of you know this particular part of a science park now could I bring 100 Australians over you know um, that sort of thing so yeah it's really just being very genuine in your connections with people and you know never being closed off to anything endlessly curious
0: and so firms at these science parks are quite amenable to have 100 campers walking around investigating what's going on there?
1: They are, actually. Um, if, if anything, uh, I've noticed over the past 15 years is that um, China's engagement internationally is is like a portal that opens and closes over time. Okay. And right now, um, it's wide open. Okay. So, you know, it is absolutely time to get in as an international entity and start collaborating with China. Mm. There are incentives for innovative organizations um, who, say, have some venture capital funding and are looking to establish an office in China, you can access in some cities, this is not just a Beijing-based thing, this is across China, um, you can access up to a million dollars in Chinese government grant funding. Really? They don't take an equity stake. Right. um, And that will be delivered in um, five tranches over five years, as long as you're jumping through the hoops that, you know, you need to get the grant for. Yeah. But the the incentives are incredible because China is building its own innovation economy in its own time and it is not – shy of paying for it to happen in its own time. Right. In Australia, we have a more organic approach. Okay. So if you are an international entity or, sorry, if you're an Australian entity that is, for example, right now accessing the um, R&D grant, you know, in Australia, you should definitely take a look at what's happening in China. I guarantee that you've probably got a customer Mm. or or a collaborator, a research partner that might be really great um, to align with there. And that economy is just like a runaway freight train. So, before that international funding portal closes again, yep. get in now because the the incentives are sure yeah, there.
0: What a great opportunity. Absolutely. Um, now, the bilateral nature of CAMP bringing together 50% Chinese and 50% Australian participants. Yeah. Obviously, these countries, these nationalities have, have things that are not so similar. Mm. Um, what do you find that the two nationalities learn from each other? So what does... Um, an Australian participant learn from a Chinese participant mm. in camp.
1: Um, <laughs> I would say the two headline things are to um, for Australians they learn to listen more. Okay. Um, we, we definitely notice that the Australians have more of a propensity um, to think out loud and talk while they're kind of establishing the answer in oh, their right. head. Okay. Um, yeah. Whereas our Chinese participants will often say, well, listen, I'm going to sit back and think about my answer before I contribute something that is really meaningful. Yeah. So um, there is that. And there's also, I guess you could, uh, you know, in its rawest form, say that there's a bit of a reimagining of the old Australian ego. Okay. So often we think, oh, China... Um, maybe they've got a lot to learn from us. Mm, It is absolutely the other way around Uh, right right now. So, um, of course, there's a lot that we can learn from each other. um, But this is why we've made camp as 50-50 bilateral as possible, 50% in the delegates, 50% in the nature of the program. We go to China, we come to Australia. So it's absolutely about that sort of sharing and understanding what is the symbiosis, what is the Mm. complementarity of each of our markets and each of our personality styles that we can bring together. The last point I want to make is that actually by focusing on a millennial generation, I reckon These particular people have way more in common than they actually have different. Okay, yeah. So, can sit down and have a chat with, um, a chinese camper who might have had a radically different upbringing to to what i had in rural new south wales um but because we're we've grown up in the world at a similar sort of time mm. you know we use technology in a similar way we're curious globally we're not shy of having friends who are all around the world right you know and i, I might find more complementarity with someone from halfway across the world mm. than i do with the person behind me in the sure. coffee queue yeah okay. in here in Australia, yeah.
0: Um, and so how do you go about promoting the program in China? How do you help to recruit Chinese campers?
1: It's a very different value proposition okay. um, in China than it is in Australia. Um, you know, the, the economic differences in size of our um, economies is is remarkable, but as is the lifestyle, mm. you know, as well. So it's not about, you know, one country being stronger than the other. It's really, you know, what are we both the strongest, you know, in the world at? And um, when it comes to the Australian side or the Chinese side, we recruit in a similar way. So um, we we when it comes to talent, we fish where the fish are. So we take a look at where is the talent that we like to, to bring into the program? Where are they hanging out? Mm. So that can be in um, certain WeChat groups. It's a really easy one to... Okay. Um, um, to focus on in China, so yep. it might be, say, digital marketing, or it might be looking at environmental science. Yeah. You know, it could be a range of different things. Okay. Um, we also partner with universities, so you know, we've worked with Tsinghua University, um, Shanghai, uh, UTS, Macquarie University. So they're fantastic talent pools um, to find people who are, you know, on average about twenty nine years old. That's mm. the average of um, Uh, age of a camper. So they've gone through uni generally. um, They've gone through, you know, maybe sometimes a decade of working life and they're starting to think, oh, maybe I want to start my own hustle here. You know, maybe there's something that I can actually create. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's some value that I can put into the world where I can move faster Mm. if I move more independently of, you know, a big corporate yeah Yeah. so um, we also do recruit through corporates as well okay. so you know in the program you, about a quarter are students in some form mainly postgraduate um, about a quarter are corporate so um, that's Often Australian corporates who are bringing in staff from their China offices and their Australian offices to meet for the first time mm, okay. and start to collaborate together, right. so um, that can yield some really really great outcomes, both in terms of the startup that they might create, but just you know for business outcomes in their in their um, day job, um, ordinarily. Um, then we have some entrepreneurs um, who come into the program as well. And then I think the final quarter, I would just say, are miscellaneous. They're the wild cards. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. Earlier in the year, I read in um, an interview with yourself in the Australian Financial Review that um, the political challenges facing the Australia-China relationship were having a bit of an effect on the uptake of camp participants from the China end. They were, um, yeah. Is, is, is this something you feel in your organisation that if there's a political challenge facing Australia and China, that this can have an effect on your organisation?
1: Absolutely. And I don't think that we're alone in that regard. Um, you know, we know that the um, Chinese international student numbers were down this year just because that the Australia-China, Australia-China political relationship was at a, 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 two, a low since 2009, mm. you know. So um, especially when you think about how closely enmeshed business and politics are in China, we might not think that it's um, such a big deal, but it is most certainly a big deal in China. And, you know, I would be asked on a regular basis, so why why does Australia hate China? You know, right, things okay. like that like could really broad brush um, these sorts of things. And that's a really difficult question to answer, to say, well, you know, actually, we don't, but it sure sounds like it from any number of media interviews or articles that you might, you know, care to take a, a look at from our politicians. Okay. So, you know, I, I the frustration that I have is that that sort of argy-bargy, um, which, you know, might reinforce the political relationship here, I think a lot of anti-China rhetoric is actually... It, it's not aimed towards China. It's aimed at reassuring um, a conservative government here, right. you know. Yeah. So... Not with our largest trading partner, please. Mm. You know, not when there is so much at stake for us. You know, by 2050, Australia is projected to not be in the top 20 economies and we're at number 13 right now. So when it comes to our value proposition, we really have to hustle hard and um, the way that you do that is through business connections. Mm. And if our, our, you know, politicians are making that more difficult for Australian business people to forge those connections Mm. and those connections will go elsewhere, um, it, it really makes it much, much more difficult for us. I don't think it creates one job for an Australian, sure. that political argy-bargy.
0: Well, I think the the Australia-China relationship is... Um, it is inevitable to some degree that there will be challenges in the relationship between Absolutely. countries that are so different. Yeah. But I think um, the benefit of a, of a program like CAMP is that it really fortifies those... People-to-people links that really do underpin what the Australia-China relationship is all about and and has gone back for decades. Yeah. Um. So at camp, how do you how do you keep in touch with camp alumni? How do you how do you keep these groups together?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, happily enough, you know, with that sort of massive digital impetus um, of this generation, they they keep in touch for themselves. So mm. one of the most surprising outcomes when um, we launched the first cohort of camp in 2015 we've now done three so we have 300 graduates Um, was that even 18 months after that first program on our WeChat group for those alumni there'd be 20 to 50 messages every day of that cohort still just chatting and offering jobs or offering couches you know just putting opportunity um, and discussion and jokes and you know Photos of their lunch into that just to kind of create the energy. Yep. Um, so I thought that's actually something really special. People seem to have applied as individuals to come into the program, but they left as a unit. Okay. And that to me, I think, is, is very interesting. Okay, mm.
0: great. Um, so looking back um, at previous camp years, what have been some of the most memorable projects?
1: Memorable projects. Um, So the winners of the first cohort, um, they were called Illuminate, and they created a desktop lamp or a coffee table lamp that when plugged in would disaggregate your energy usage for a given space. Oh, wow. Okay. And it provided live feedback. So the lamp would actually glow different colors depending on how much energy you were consuming.
0: For For the house?
1: For the household, for an office space, you know, it was was not limited. So, but about that sort of size. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what would happen is, say, if you'd been cranking the air con for four hours, your lamp would actually start to show you, did you know that you're actually... You know, consuming quite a lot by turning from a beautiful green color through to orange and then to red okay. to say, like, pull the other one. <laughs> so, um, or you know, even other things. That, so it would all be um, sent to an app as well to give you a more detailed report. So mm. you know, it will give you an understanding of perhaps your fridge is aging; it's getting a little bit too old and inefficient. And here's an affiliate link that you could click to go to, you know, Bingley, for example, to buy another one. Okay. So that was um, a fantastic collaboration. They ended up being accepted into the CSIRO's on accelerator program because they had um, one of the um, campers was working at Ciro. Okay. So they were commercializing a piece of technology that had spun out of CSIRO and were actually um, building a startup around okay. that. Another really memorable moment for me in camp um, was actually that in two out of our three cohorts, we've had parents in the program. So these are young parents who have brought along their children into an innovation program. So the
0: parents are the campers?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when we're talking about this millennial generation, they are having babies right Right. now. So um, in our first cohort, we had some Edwards and she brought along little Otis. who was about six months old. She couldn't leave him because, you know, she was still breastfeeding. And so she was able to um, conduct a workshop and, you know, lead her team and and so on and so on, all with Otis by her side. And I just thought that is like the model of, innovation that I want to see okay. you know that a young mum yep. you know can come along and participate in that and she doesn't have to choose between being a mum or being an innovator yeah I thought that was so cool
0: okay um and who won this year's camp
1: Oh, this year's camp was won by Master Oz, and they're an incredible startup. So um, they're focused on um, Daigo trade, so that sort of purchasing on behalf of somebody else um, trade, where we see people in Australia buying purple cream or A2 milk or, you know, Swiss vitamins. Yeah, and that's Um, such a
0: particular China focus So Chinese.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they were looking at, um, you know, what are the the policy policy, um, drivers that are coming down the pipeline that might mean we can start to do that with fresh projects? So just really opening out, working with that stereotype of Australia in China as being clean, green, and safe, and then adding an innovative edge to that um, by creating an app that would actually allow Chinese purchases to purchase direct from pharma. All
0: right. So, Andrea, what's some in store for CAMP 2019?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, CAMP is in the process of becoming an accredited course at one of our group of eight universities. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. No, it's a really, really nice benchmark um, for us to say, you know, that you actually can use diversity as the engine of innovation and achieve a whole range of outcomes that are strategically just right on the money. Um, so that's an exciting one. We'll compress that course um, down into a two-week sprint. Mm. So it's not the full 100 days, okay. but it's five days in Australia, five days in China with some sort of pre-work um, on either side. Um, and also for um, cohorts which are Chinese and also not Chinese. Okay. So that's, that's um, a pretty big goal that we've kicked. Now what we're moving to is, you know, it's always frustrated me that we can only ever work with 100 people at a time. Mm. And in 2015, 100 people seemed enormous. But mm. right now, when I take a look at the the breadth of opportunity in the Australia-China relationship and how many young people stand to benefit from this, mm. we're opening that out and turning camp um, or adding to camp um, a digital product, okay. which actually connects... Um, Australian businesses directly to the Chinese millennials that they either want oh, to market yeah. to or get some customer research back from. Okay. Um, so you can think about it as like a tasking platform or a yeah. tasking marketplace where um, an Australian business can jump on and say, right, you know, if I were to market this to, um, say, 25 to 35 year olds who uh, have one kid and are in Guangzhou, yeah. um which marketing campaign might you prefer, A or B. So you can pre-test these sorts of things um, before spending all that money to start marketing and entering the China market. Mm.
0: So when are applications open for camp and when can people sign up?
1: So the best thing to do right now is to head to our website, australiachina.org. We keep it very simple. (laughs) Um, There's a sign up there. So um, as soon as applications do open, then we'll send you an email if you've signed up there. Um the other places to catch us are on social media at China X Oz, mm. A U S. Um and um apart from that, I mean just oh, you know what? Connect with me on LinkedIn. Mm. I, I post a lot on LinkedIn and I've got um a, a pretty big following there and um, I find that the, the China innovation conversation, it just moves so fast. Right. There's always something really cool that um, you can pick up from that conversation that is going to impact the mm. world. So absolutely love you to connect with me
0: on on LinkedIn. Okay, well, um, I'll be sure to make all those links available for everyone in the Wonderful. show notes of the yeah. episode. Awesome. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thanks a lot for dropping by. Thank, thank the you podcast, so much. Andrea. It's all a pleasure to be here. With camp going forward. <laughs> thanks, James. Appreciate it. My thanks to Andrea for dropping by to the podcast. To watch footage of a camp program and to connect with Andrea, please check out this episode's show notes at www.acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts. There you can also check out past episodes of the podcast and subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher or Yoku. We'd also like to thank the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trades Australia-China Council for their support of the podcast. Thanks again for listening and until next time, zaijian.